Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say... Goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters, and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what? I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got to tell you. Okay. This is what's so great about quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from Mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie also from Quince. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking. I'm going to toot my own horn. Effortlessly chic. Whether it's winter or or summer, they've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly, the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Hello and welcome to Forever 35, a podcast about the things we do to take care of ourselves. I'm Kate Spencer. I'm Dori Shafrir. We are not experts. We're just two friends who like to talk a lot about serums. Hello, Dori. (laughs) We're a little giggly today. I mean, that's fine. Let's just tell listeners. Should we just get this out on the table? Let's get it out. Let's get it out. (laughs) Let's just get it out. Last night... Last night I accidentally blocked wait, Dory. Wait, hold on. <laughs> let's tell the story. Okay. From the beginning. From the beginning. I get a text message. Should I really open up my phone and just read the yes. exchange? <laughs> hold on. It takes me about an hour to unlock my phone. So last night. What were you doing when you got this? I actually text? think I was working on stuff for the podcast. Because um, we had been like chatting. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, Oh, gosh. Sorry. I have to go back in time because I sent so many anxious texts in response. 
At 8.58 p.m. on Sunday, I get a text message from Dory Shafrir, my friend, podcast co-host. Did you, comma, uh, <laughs> comma, block me on Instagram? <laughs> no question mark. I also love the uh. Well, the uh was supposed to imply. Like, like, what the fuck? Well, like, what the fuck? But also, like, I don't think you deliberately did this. <laughs> But admit it, was there like 1% that was like, is she sending me a passive aggressive message? I was like, this would be so out of character for Kate. I know she doesn't like confrontation, but this is like next level. (laughs) Because as I was saying before we started recording, blocking is aggressive. Like muting or, or even unfollowing is a, I feel like a better path. Like blocking is aggressive aggressive i didn't know that on instagram you could see that you were blocked i thought you well, just disappeared from instagram does, for that person it doesn't it, it's not like you are blocked by kate spencer but when i tried to find you <laughs> nothing came up and then when i went to the forever 35 podcast account which has our oh my god accounts linked in the profile yours was like just <laughs> like it wasn't linked i couldn't click on it Oh, Let me back up and say that the whole reason I was trying to find Kate's account in the <laughs> first place laughing. is because I was in the Forever 35 podcast account and I saw Kate's story pop up and I was looking at her story and she had posted something about how the joy of cooking has the best pancakes. And I was like, oh my God, that is so true because we used to make those pancakes when I was little out of the me, joy of cooking too. cookbook. Same. And I was going to respond to her, but then I was like, it'll be confusing if I respond from the Forever 35 podcast account because then it lives in that account. Anyway, I'm over. I was overthinking it, but I was like, I'm going to go back to my and then I was like, regular account. So I go back to my personal account and I, and first I was like, that's weird. She usually shows up like first or second in my stories because I look at her stories so much and she wasn't there. And then I searched for her and I was like, that's weird. She's not coming up. <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, Kate blocked okay me. so now is when i chime in to say i don't know how i did this but i accidentally i think what happened is that i don't think i blocked you i think i report accidentally reported you for spam and then it goes ahead and blocks the accounts that you report for spam this is what i learned when i went over and clicked on your when i like searched for you and it was like you thanks for reporting the spam uh, we've blocked Dory's account. It, like <laughs> I was like, holy fuck. Then also, I, I got no notification about this. Well, that's good because then I went and literally like the last post on your page is a picture of you and Matt. And you're talking about a podcast you've done about yeah, we, infertility. Yeah, we, did, we were guests on a podcast about infertility. I hope that's not what I accidentally reported. So I think that I just had Instagram open and, and click something. I truly or my kids could have been fucking with my mm. phone. Actually, that. Is oh my God. that is more possible? What if Eleanor hates me? <laughs> what if my kids were like, "Quick, well, mom's not looking. <laughs> Mom likes Dory more than us. <laughs> Block her on Instagram. And report her. <laughs> report her for the spam." <laughs> so anyway, I accidentally blocked Dory. Then when I unblocked, it didn't let me unreport spam. And then I was frantically like, "How do I email Instagram and say uh, this was an accident?" Dory was laughing at me. Um, <laughs> I was able to unblock you, but then I had to unfollow you. I mean, I had to refollow yeah, you. Yeah, and I had to refollow you. Yeah, so we just followed each other on Instagram. Yeah. So I, <laughs> so I, of course, because I, I'm such a guilt-ridden monster with so much anxiety. I not monster again. I got to stop this negative self-talk. Guilt-ridden goddess. Um, I 
will never get over the anxiety I feel that deep down you secretly think I blocked you on purpose. No, I don't. I truly was horrified as I wrote in my texts. I said, I'm worried they're going to flag your account. I also was very worried. But anyway, that was fun. And I was was like, nothing seems to have happened. Which actually sort of restored my faith in some sort of system. Just that like, they must check. I think they do. I think they do. Um, And they decided that at Kate Spencer was just wantonly (laughs) reporting me for spam. How dare she? How dare she? So that was our exciting night last night. That was pretty cool. I was horrified because nothing makes my stomach drop like getting a text message that's like, hi, did you do something really shitty? Like it's so, I just, it terrifies me. I hadn't said anything though? (laughs) We just silently, I would have, I think I would have figured it out because you disappeared from all my stuff and your story is always like first or second in my stories. Yeah. So, um, thanks. I mean, (laughs) you're my top eight. I think, Oh God, remember that? Yeah. Friendster or MySpace. MySpace. Anyway, listeners, Sammy's nodding in recognition. Young Sammy. (laughs) Sammy was in like elementary school. (laughs) Sammy, were you, were you born after MySpace? (laughs) Poor Sammy. Sorry. Oh, Sammy's not. (laughs) Sammy is out of high school. Okay. So barely, I know. (laughs) Boy, we are punchy today. We are. So anyway, listen. Well, it's Monday. It's Monday. So that's yeah. what's been up. I accidentally blocked Dory. You know, I mean, in positive news, I have been working on my social anxiety. Yeah. I've been forcing myself to talk to people. How is that going? It's going awesome. I'm oh, like good. three for three in successful Tell me the details because... Now, were these strangers? No, I do this. I have this horrible like mind game I play with myself where I'm... Where if it's like someone... Like I've convinced people don't like me mm. or don't know who I am, mm-hmm. even though we've interacted a bunch. Mm-hmm. And so instead of instead of making an effort to be like, oh, hey, I'm Kate. We met. I like retreat and I don't look at them. This is how I've been like since childhood. Like if I had a if I had a crush on someone, mm. I acted like I had never met them before. And it's I think it's just like fear of embarrassment or rejection totally. or failure or whatever. So I have had some people that I are like acquaintances that I was like, I'm they, I'm nervous around them or they don't like me. I've done something to make them not like me. What have I done? Meanwhile, these people have been nothing but nice to me. Right. And it's I, constructed in my brain. Yes. And I've done that too, where I convince myself that someone doesn't like me. And then I feel like it becomes something of a self-fulfilling prophecy because yes. then I act weird around them. Dory, yes. And so then they're like, oh, Dory hates me. That's what it is. <laughs> then I act weird because right. I'm trying to act like I don't know them. Yeah, exactly. So in the past few weeks, I've made myself actively try to like talk to people like to just be like hey how are you um or introduce myself to people i don't know or like because i'm in the world of like taking my kids to school there's tons of like parents that you right. pass by and i'm trying to just be more forward with introducing myself or um interacting or just like greeting people mm-hmm. and not assuming the worst like yeah. not assuming that i've done something that everybody hates me for totally and it's and lo and behold everyone's nice everyone is pleasant when they respond and we chat and it goes great i have not it's been and i don't know why the shift happened in me that i just was like i'm fucking i gotta stop this cycle that i've been doing for 39 years so it feels really good i'm really i did one today I, I pushed myself to interact with somebody today and that went really well 
So um, I'm trying to just be more confident in social situations. Maybe by the time I'm like 60, I'll be able to talk without having a panic attack. Here's hoping. (laughs) (laughs) Or not. So, So anyway, so that's what's been up with me. Social anxiety blocking you. Yeah, that's my week. They're all connected. They're all connected. Um, well, my parents have been in town. That is a fun but also stressful experience. Yes, fun but also stressful and exhausting. Um, I took them to the Getty Villa yesterday. I've never been there. Where I'd never beautiful? been. It's beautiful, and there's a you know there's a lot there. Um, but I also haven't been sleeping very well. So I'd, I'd, is that tied to anything? Do you think? I don't know. So I'd woken up at like 4.30 in the morning and hadn't been able to fall back asleep. So I was so tired. And I had to, I was consciously like, don't be too cranky. Like, just, let's just try not to be really irritable. Yeah. Like maybe semi-irritable. You're allowed to be a little Um, tired, grumpy. And then when we got back from the Getty Villa, we dropped my parents off at their Airbnb and I took like a two-hour nap. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. Um, also I went to the Korean spa with my mom. Oh, you brought your mom? I brought my mom. She requested it. Oh, that's so nice. Mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. did send me a text about this. That was very exciting. Yes. Because. So, <laughs> so I, I didn't, the, the facials that I normally go to was not available. So I, I went to a different facialist who I had never seen before. So I lie down and she, you know, turns on the bright light to like inspect my skin. And she's Spotlight. like, yeah. And she's like, are you wearing makeup? And I'm like, no. In my mind, I'm thinking, why would I have makeup on like <laughs> before a facial? But maybe. Sure, somebody um, does. And then she was like, oh, because your skin is like so smooth and even. And I was like, oh, thank you. <laughs> and then, so that that started things off on a positive note for me. Okay. Um, and then she was giving me a hand massage and she saw my wedding, my engagement ring and my wedding ring. And she's like, whoa, you got married so young. And I was like, wait, I, was like, I started laughing and I was like, how old do you think I am? And she was like, now granted, she probably knocked this down a few years, Okay, but she said 27. <laughs> and I wow. was like, I'm 41. And she and like, I know people will, con- will like try to make you feel good about sure. your age by saying you look young, but like. I detected genuine surprise. When was the in last time voice? someone thought you were in your twenties? I don't get twenties very often. I mean, like you, I'll get thirty. Your skin is dewy and fresh mm. and very thank smooth. You. I mean, thank it you. always looks that way. You do have the skin of a twenty-seven-year-old. Oh, thank you. Um, but yeah, that was like that was especially nice. And as I think, actually, uh, Jasmine Gill, I, I posted this in my Instagram story, and Jasmine Gillery responded. Oh, and in my story, I was like, you know, I. It made me feel good. And of course I gave her a big tip, like whether or not that was the her intention. plan worked. Um, yeah. And Jasmine was like, look, it's better than facialists like negging you and making you feel like you have to buy a million products. And I was like, that's so true. She didn't push any products on me. Yeah. So like, great. great. <laughs> also, like you felt good. Compliments. I did. Re- receive it. I did. I, you know, I did sort of overthink the whole, like, why do I have to glorify looking young? But then I was like, whatever. Well, no, that is an interesting thing to reflect on. Mm -hmm. Why is, why is youth valued as a compliment? Right. Exactly. I think, I think because we, 
for better or worse, we equate youth with health. And so if you look youthful, it kind of implies that you're healthier. That is not necessarily true, of course. But I think in my mind, it's like, oh, well, I have been taking care of my skin. It is showing. Great. So I'll take it. I think that healthy skin on your face does not necessarily, we don't have to necessarily think that that means we look younger. I think it can mean that we look like uh, healthy. Yeah. Or just that totally. we're caring for ourselves. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I Getting away. I, look, this is something I would have to put into practice too, but getting away from using, mm-hmm. you look so young as yeah. a compliment. Yeah. Well, I think we don't have the vocabulary to communicate that in terms of, especially in terms of women's looks without like complimenting how young you look is sort of the ultimate compliment. Yeah. It shouldn't be. No. But in our society what are some things we could say alternatively you look so fresh what if we didn't weren't even complimenting looks what if we just like you look happy Mm, mm -hmm. maybe we don't even comment at all (laughs) maybe compliments are (laughs) now i'm I'm spiraling (laughs) compliments are a tool of the patriarchy well i am having a little bit of like why do we need to be commenting on anybody's Mm. looks at all but Again, I'm spiraling. We do exist in this society. We do. And so sometimes it's very hard to, you want to be a change agent, mm-hmm. but also you can't help but actively engaging in our social, our social constructs. That is well said. Ah, fuck. Okay. <sighs> hmm. Boy. Wow. You know. Well, well, you look dewy and fresh. Well, thank you. That's because um, I haven't showered since Saturday mm-hmm. and I exercised this morning. So mm. that's a natural sheen. It's a glow. It's a natural sweat sheen. My body odor is traveling to my nose right now. Oh. <laughs> it's very <laughs> potent. It's not traveling to my nose. Good, good, good. I also like your top. I like the bright pink. She, Kate is wearing a bright pink uh, tank top, thank workout very, top. Thank you very much. And I, I like a bright pink. I feel good in it. Yeah. Looks yeah. nice. Thank you. Thank, I'm going to receive that compliment. Mm, great. Thank you. Um, should we take a quick break? We got to do it. Let's do it. You know, the weather's getting warmer. So I, for one, am ready to say goodbye to my jackets and my sweaters and hello to shorts and tees. I'm right there with you, Kate. And you know what? I actually, actually, I donned double quince the other night. I've got what? to tell you. Okay. Yeah. This is what's so great about Quince because I feel like I have really been able to update my wardrobe like for the long haul without spending a fortune. I wore a gorgeous white tee, like a simple, perfect white cotton t-shirt from mm. Quince, but it was a little chilly out. So I threw on my cashmere hoodie, also from Quince. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like they have basically given me a lineup of timeless pieces that I feel like keep me looking, I'm going to toot my own horn, effortlessly chic, whether it's winter or or summer. They've got premium European linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30. You've got washable silk tops, really stunning 14 karat gold jewelry, and so much more. Like truly the list goes on and on. And the best part is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And they only work with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices 
and premium fabrics and finishes, something that's very important to us. So look, if you're going on a trip, if you just need to update your summer wardrobe, get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash forever35 for free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash forever35 to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash forever35. Kate, I feel like we are like barreling into summer. It's happening so fast. It is. And I feel like also with summer just come more social events. There's weddings, there's nights out, it's vacations. I mean, like all the things happening in summer. And what I love is that Honey Love has just the right thing for all those events. Feel comfortable and confident this summer with Honey Love's best-selling Super Power Short. The Super Power Short smooth shapes and lifts, giving you a flawless silhouette under any outfit with targeted compression technology that distinguishes between areas where you want more support and areas you need less compression. It's designed to work with your body, not against it. Speaking of working with your bod, the crossover bra, which I'm wearing as we speak. I wear that thing every day. I do too. Uh, It's my favorite Honey Love piece. Let me, let me just tell you why. Yeah. Get into it. Do you want to tell me why? No, no. I was just (laughs) going to say like, I, I, I don't even need to wear it to events. I wear it like the event is every day of my life. Yes. That's such a good way of putting it. The bra gives all the support of traditional bras without using any underwires. And just like sidebar, I have put on some of my old underwire bras lately and been like, oh God, like get this off of me. No, thank once you. you. Once you start wearing Honey Love, you're just like, no, not yep. going back. You see also, how it like, could be. Yes. Also like summer sweat under those underwires. It's like, ugh, the worst. Now you don't have to worry about it. Get the support you need with the comfort you deserve and treat yourself to the best bras and shapewear on the market. Save 20% off at honeylove.com slash forever. Use our exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com slash forever. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. The summer vibes are just getting started. So shape your life with Honey Love. You know, Dory, we talk to a lot of really fantastic intelligent people on this podcast. But I don't know, maybe you're like us and you want to go even deeper. Mm, I'd love to go deeper. We like to go deep. And that's not only possible with today's sponsor, but also easy to accomplish on Masterclass. Every year I get really into the classes offered and the instructors offering them. Like I'm all over the place with the things that I like on Masterclass. But this year, I am very interested in the class Redefining Feminism, which is 14 lessons from Gloria Steinem. Okay. Now, they dissect issues women face in the U.S. and ways we can play a role in the feminist movement in our everyday lives. Look, I majored in women and gender studies in college. So, This is right up my alley. But even if you didn't, even if you're like, this is the first time I'm hearing those words. I would argue, especially if you didn't. Yes. Get into it with Masterclass because this is the year you can really learn from the best to be 
become your best with Masterclass. Go from just talking about improving to actually doing the things you've been wanting to do with Masterclass. And it doesn't have to be redefining feminism with Gloria Steinem. It can be gardening in your own garden or your yard or patio. It can be learning to cook Indian food or designing a space that you love. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master like negotiation with Chris Voss or think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or maybe capture your vision through photography with Petra Collins, Masterclass has you covered. With Masterclass, you get unlimited access to intimate one-on-one classes with the world's best. And right now, our listeners will get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash F35. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash F35. That's masterclass.com slash F35. You know, one thing I think is really kind of interesting about skin, my skin, but all skin, is that like what it needs now in my 40s is not what I needed in my 30s. Totally definitely not what I needed in my 20s. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But like, how are you supposed to know what your skin needs? It's hard. It's hard to know. Especially when there's just like so many products out there. The overwhelm is real. It's a struggle to even know how to get the results you want, what products to start with. This is why we're super excited to partner with Apostrophe. Apostrophe is a prescription skincare company that offers science-backed medications that are clinically proven to help. I have used Apostrophe. I love it. They will pair you with a board-certified dermatologist who literally creates a personalized treatment plan for your skin. I have done this a few times now. It is so easy to do their online consultation. You upload photos And like within a few weeks, I had done the consultation and received my treatment plan and my product. Amazing. And that is how I became a Tretinoin gal. I love the Tretinoin that they sent me. I love their sunscreen. Both products have been amazing on my skin. And you, Forever 35 listeners, can get a special deal from Apostrophe. You can get your first visit for only $5. That's at apostrophe.com slash forever35 when you use our code forever35. Now, that is a savings of $15. I like that. This code is too. only available to Forever 35 listeners. So to get started, just go to apostrophe.com slash forever35 and click get started. And then use our code forever35 at sign up and you will get your first visit for only $5. Thank you, Apostrophe, for sponsoring this episode. Um, Kate. Yeah. I wanted to talk about underwear today. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm excited. I mean, we're saying like, yeah, and really yeah, I'm gonna be underwear. like underwear. Yeah, I buy my underwear at Costco. <laughs> um But we did get a we get a listener voicemail about it. Yeah, we did. Um as a request for a topic for a mini episode. And listener, we're taking it to the main episode. Oh, yeah. So let me play that uh listener voicemail. Hey, Kate and Dory. This is Sarah from Charleston, South Carolina, uh, calling to ask you if you guys would consider doing an episode on underwear. Uh, I feel like the underwear that I was wearing in my 20s is definitely not the underwear that I'm wearing in my 30s. Not ready to go to granny panties. I've seen some really cool and interesting options out there. 
Uh, also, what about exploring the frightening world of, uh, like, control products, like girdles and spanks and, like, that whole, like, shapewear world. Anyway, I think that'd be fun to hear you guys talk about. Hope everything is great. Keep on potting. Bye. Thank you, Sarah. We are going to keep on potting. Keep on potting. Um, Dory, yes. is the underwear that you wear now as a 41-year-old woman the same as you were in your 20s? I'm kind of chuckling because mine is the same. Um, It's not the same as I wore in my 20s, but I've been wearing this underwear for like the style of underwear, I should say. I do get new pairs of it. Um, <laughs> no, but yeah, I didn't mean... Is, are you wearing the same pairs? For, Although some of mine are I, the same. For like eight, probably like eight years or wow, so. Wow, you're a loyal underwear yeah, wearer. Well, I, I think it was my friend Elizabeth who initially turned me on to this style of underwear. It's from The Gap. Okay. And it has gone through a couple of iterations. All right. Um, they used to call it boy shorts. Okay. Then I think they decided that was probably weird maybe offensive yeah can't Um, it just be like shorts right so then they changed it to girl shorts which again not ideal (laughs) gap come on um they're lace and map dory well yes now they're called the lace shorty they're called the lace shorty i feel like they just can't get this right um but the underwear is great but the underwear is great um they they cover your ass which is important to me um, they come up just high enough. Like I don't want a super high rise pair of underwear, but I also don't want one that like doesn't even cover my pubic hair. No, you got to get all those you know what pubes I'm saying? tucked in there. Yeah. Yes. Um, so that is one reason why I like this underwear. The other reason I like is because I have narrow hips and I basically have no ass and I have a larger waist. So underwear that will like fit me in the butt and hips is often too tight in the waist. Like if it has like an, like a thin elastic band, it will like cut into my waist and that is really uncomfortable. But because this, this is, these are lace and they have like a thicker band, they don't cut into you. So. And are they, are they, they're lacy. Is that itchy? No. Oh, I mean, they have like, they're cotton in the, you know, where your vagina rests. Right. And that, yeah. The vagina resting spot? The vagina rest. <laughs> I guess that would also be the taint. Do you, can we say that on this podcast? We have no <laughs> limits. Do you think that underwear designers call it the resting spot? Dory's headphones have fallen off. We got so excited talking about this. She's all tangled. Oh the my God. The vagina resting spot. Yeah, the VRS. <laughs> underwear designers hire us <laughs> um i mean i think that that is probably the the healthiest thing for your badge right you gotta let it breathe yeah, you gotta let it breathe i tell um, my kids not to wear underwear at night i'm like let that hmm. shit breathe interesting i don't find the lace itchy but i mean this could be like a your mileage may vary situation i might try those yeah because i'm very loyal to Carol Hockman. Mm. Carol sells her underwear at Costco, and that is what I wear. So what cut are they? <laughs> I looked at them. I Googled them last night. They literally look like pants. There's so much coverage. They are like someone 
I Wait, think you are might... they like knee length? No, 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 no. no they just I'm are picturing like Mormon they're... undergarments. No, no, they're briefs. Oh, okay. But they are someone like referred to them as granny underwear, and I was like, oh, well, this is what I. This is my sexy underwear. Mm. I don't have sex. First, are I they don't... cotton or lace? No, I think they're like rayon. Oh. Not rayon. They're they're like a they're stretchy. Yes, mm-hmm. I don't like cotton underwear. Mm-hmm. These are like kind of stretchy and also t- not tight, but they feel like they stay put. I cannot handle the sensation of underwear riding up oh, no, no, my body. No, no, no. I have never liked a thong. I have. People have tried to convert me in my 20s. My my friend, when she got married, she gave us all a pair of hanky-pankies at her bachelorette party. Mm. She was a big hanky-panky loyalist. She listens to the podcast. I don't know if she still is a hanky-panky loyalist. We just talked I mean, about the podcast last I admit night. I wore thongs in my 20s. Was that for sex appeal? Was it for you and how it felt underclothed? Did you not want people to see the lines of your underwear? I think part of it was visible panty line. Okay. Now, can we talk about this? Mm-hmm. Because my attitude is like, unless you're at like the fucking Oscars, which even then, but like, who the, who who cares? I mean, Kate now as a 41 year old, I don't care. But you did care. As a 26 year old, I cared. Um, So I did wear a lot of thongs. They're not comfortable. Um, Some people do find them to be comfortable. Yes. I am not one of them. No, I'm not either. I've never been able to figure it out. I didn't, I wasn't like uncomfortable, but. But they're not the most comfortable. There is a sensation of something creeping up your butthole. Yes. That is not... All day long. Yeah. It doesn't feel great. Um, yeah. I probably felt like they were a little sexier. But also, like, who cares? Does Is underwear a sexy thing for you? Not like, really. do you ever, like... Like, I once had someone suggest that to, like, feel more confident, I should, like, put on my sexiest underwear, like, under mm. my, like, regular clothes. That doesn't work. Like, I feel yeah, sexy when I'm, like, strapped in yeah. and, and, like, held by my underwear. I feel like the only... I'm, I'm, like, trying to think. I feel like the only times I would, like, consciously put on, quote-unquote, sexy underwear, which, which I don't think I even own anymore, is, like, when I was going on a date mm-hmm. where I was like, maybe sure. this is going to be the first time we fuck. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. That's how I felt. Wow, mm-hmm. Dory. And not to say... If someone is listening who does, who that is how they, f- they feel confident and great. That's yeah. awesome. I just, for some reason, operate that like o- comfort is the only thing I care about. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, now that's how I feel. I have always been like that. Well, you're a better person than I that's am. That's what I'm trying to insinuate. That's why I accidentally <laughs> blocked you on Instagram. <laughs> I, so I used to wear So I worked at the store Patagonia in my 20s. I've heard of it. Yes. An outdoor clothing company. Mm-hmm. And so I would buy my underwear there. Mm. But I would get it at a discount. And I made that underwear last for like 10 to 12 years. Wow. And then I went and bought new Patagonia underwear. And they're like 20 bucks a pop mm. for a one brief. But then I found my friend Carol Hockman's underwear at Costco, and I like it better than my Patagonia underwear. And it's $15 for a pack of five. That's a great price. It's a great deal. And I like, it's the best underwear I've ever owned. And and I don't think it is particularly, like, I don't think anyone would see me in it and be like, yeah. But I do think <laughs> they'd be like, respect for the performance of that underwear. Okay. It is solid coverage. And it doesn't ride up my butt. How long do they last? Well, I don't know. I haven't been buying them for that long. I just discovered them, I would say, this within the year. 
Okay. And I had bought this cotton underwear at Costco that a friend recommended that I hated. It like stretched really fast and I just don't love cotton mm-hmm. underwear. So I'm not sure. I will give it a, I will keep test running it. They seem to last pretty well and they haven't stretched out, excuse me, that much. I think that's kind of my biggest problem with underwear is that they become stretchy. So they're like the size of a canvas bag that you could put your groceries in. So that doesn't happen with these lace shorties. <laughs> <laughs> but what does happen with them and why I, re- I replace them probably every three to four years. That's a pretty good long. Yeah. That's a long run. But I do notice that sometimes they get holes in them. Like, like around the elastic? No, because they're lace. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I just like I'll see occasionally like a hole and I'll be like, oh, and then I don't know. Sometimes I feel like they just they, they just need to be replaced after like three to four years. But yeah, I, I think I get about three to four years out of them. And you can usually get them on sale for like, I don't know, oh. six or seven bucks. These are cute. I'm looking at the lace shorties right now on the Gap website. They're cute. Thanks. They don't like, um, do they hold, do they, do, how do I say this? Do they like, <laughs> I don't know how to say Kate this. Kate is making a shape that sort of looks like a butt. Yeah, I am trying to, <laughs> What I'm asking is like, I find when I wear um, like a short shaped underwear, mm-hmm. I think maybe this is also a flat ass problem. They don't kind of like ride the curve of my body. They just kind of like hang like a short. Do you find that? That's what I was trying to do by this hand waving oh, motion. Oh, sure. Um, no, I don't find that they hang like a short because they're not that long like is there elastic around the butt cheek area dig in there right now Dorian. <laughs> well there is there is butt cheek uh below the the line of the underwear oh, okay okay a little bit a little bit not a ton try a pair of these yeah you should try them okay all right now how do you feel the listener also mentioned spanks girdles i don't do girdles i don't even know I don't do waist trainers. I don't girdle. Does that include a boob part? Not necessarily. I think I might have worn a girdle at my wedding or it was like it started here and went like started at the waist and I had to like button it all the way up and then it had a bra, a strapless bra Mm. attached. That sounds like shapewear. Okay. Yeah. Um, But this was my wedding. Yeah. I didn't wear any shapewear at my wedding because my dress had like this open back. So the parts that I would want to have had held in like you would have been able to see the shapewear because sure. I would have wanted my stomach held in, but it would have had to be higher. And then I couldn't wear it with that. Dress. And as a person who was at your wedding, your shape was beautiful without the oh, shapewear, well, which kind of leads me to my you, point. I kind of hate shapewear. Yeah. So I, I would occasionally wear a spank. Me too. Um, like if I were going to a formal event or, or somewhere like I knew I was going to be photographed or something, but like, I'm kind of at the point now where I think it is mostly in my head. I think you're right. Like, does does my looking like 2% better? Does Is anyone, no one notices. You're the only person who notices. It's imperceptible. And in the meantime, you are so uncomfortable for like five hours. Yes. And, and I also found with um, Spanx and Shaper, I've also bought like knockoff Spanx at like Target and real Spanx that there there's seams or my stomach like hangs over the top and it folds down so that it creates well did you ever get the ones that go up to your boobs yes but i do think ultimately our bodies look lovely without them yes. now again uh, you know it, i'm not judging anybody who wants to wear anything 
get in Same. there. I, but I think the comfort level, and I, I used to have to cover award shows for my job. I was an entertainment reporter and producer, and I would wear Spanx to a lot of these things because I was in dresses. and um, it's It was not comfortable. Getting, yeah. getting out of them no, was like... It's not comfortable. Peeling off a layer of cement. By the way, I feel the same way about strapless bras. I can't. I mean, I don't... I can't wear strapless bras. I hate them. Yeah. Um, well... In conclusion, in conclusion, we like comfort. Yes. Um, no, I think, you know... I don't know. I, I think underwear, similar to skincare, it's such a personal... It's so personal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Some people underwear, they love, like, I don't, I would never suggest that you do what we say. It's just what feels good on our bodies and your body is totally different. Totally. But if you ever find yourself in the underwear aisle at Costco, <laughs> check out my old friend, Carol. Um, this listener called, the listener who left us the original voicemail actually called back. This listener followed up with a second voicemail. So let's just, let's just play that okay. now. Hey, it's Sarah again about the underwear question. Um, if you do do a mini app on undies, could you avoid using the word panties in it? Because I think that that's like a really, I feel like the only people who use the word panties are like middle-aged and older men who should not even be referring to women's underwear at any point. Bye. First of all, Sarah, I take umbrage with the assumption that we would ever use the word panties. I actively hate panties. When I had daughters, were I to have had sons, I would have made the same choice, but I call them underpants. Yes. And when people use panties, I correct them. I fr it's like infantilizing and it's gross. the worst. So panties. Ugh. I hate it so much. It just sounds, it also sounds dumb, but I just, I hate the idea that women can't just have under underwear. I agree. It's so stupid. Glad anyway, we see Sarah, I'm this. glad you agree, but come on, Sarah, you know us. <laughs> I'm not going to say panties. Did you really have to tell us not to say it? We were never. <laughs> Although I almost did say granny. Well, she said granny panties in her first yeah, voicemail. Yeah, I mean, maybe that's like a. I think granny panties is a, is a term people use. But we should but still I, call them I granny panties. But I don't call them granny panties. I call them granny underwear. Do you call, do you refer to your underwear as just underwear, underpants, undies? What do you Underwear. Use? Okay. Now, if I said undies, is that as bad as panties? No. Okay. Because I do sometimes tell my kids to get their undies on. I think that's fine. Okay. Thank you. I'm glad All we right. cleared that up. Well, let's take another break. All right. Our guest today is Angela Garbus. Angela, welcome. Thanks, Kate. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so excited you're here. As I have now told numerous people, your book wrecked me in the best way, Ugh. like just made me feel like a, 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 it was like a mirror to my soul. It was truly, wow. it's the best. So uh, before we get into that, I just want to give our audience a brief introduction about who you are. Uh, Angela is a writer who lives with her family in Seattle. She was formerly the staff food writer at the Seattle News Weekly, The Stranger, and her 2015 feature titled, The More I Learn About Breast Milk, The More Amazed I Am, is the most read piece The Stranger has ever published, which is incredible. And Angela's new book, which is titled Like a Mother, A Feminist Journey Through the Science and Culture of Pregnancy, is out now, came out in May. Yes. And that is the book that I am clinging to 
like a newborn baby because <sighs> it is um, – It really just means – you know, when you write a book, you basically sit alone in a room yes. for a year to a year and a half. Um, so now that the book is out in the world, it's really exciting to me and it means more than anything when oh. someone shares with me that the book resonated with them or spoke to them or – held a mirror up to the soul. Like, <laughs> it really, really uh, I couldn't imagine hearing anything better. So thank you. It was, um, for me, it's the book I would say to anybody who's um, interested in having a child, curious about what the experience of childbirth and parenthood is like. Uh, it's a, a more valuable read than the books that we are often uh, shown in like, you know, the motherhood aisle of the bookstore, i.e. like what to expect when you're mm -hmm. expecting or Dr. Sears, one of these books. This felt to me like the most... Um, honest and true documentation of what the experience of pregnancy and childbirth is really like. Thanks. Plus, you <laughs> delve into like the science of what the hell is going on. Yeah. I mean, that's what I, I mean, I tell people and it, it's really true. I started sort of saying it as a one-off line that I wrote this book for all of us, but, but I really did, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and when I was first conceiving it, conceiving it. <laughs> no All, pun intended. The birth puns must <laughs> yeah. just flow. <laughs> yeah, especially, yeah, the, the gestation process of writing a book and all uh -huh. of that, all of it applies. But, I mean, I really thought about it as the book, at one point, I mean, I was going back through a journal that I was keeping at the time that I was writing it, and I was saying, I think I'm on to something here, right? <laughs> and I wrote to myself, you know, I'm. am I writing the book that I wanted? Mm. Am I writing it for myself? Am I writing it to myself? You know, and then I think that sort of grew in my mind too. I was definitely writing it to my people. Yeah. You know, the the people in my life who were texting me at 3 a.m. and I was texting them at 11 p.m. and we would all respond immediately because we were all awake. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I remember um, that time. But we had so many questions and so many of them were not like, tell me, like, what, what about Martha Sears' pregnancy salad? Like, they were not about, no. you know, that kind of thing. They were about why am I still bleeding, right? They were about like, so what, what is cluster feeding? This thing where this baby is, is eating for like nonstop for like eight hours and I, I really want to stop. Is that okay? Yeah. Like, are they going to die? Like, I mean, really there was, I just felt like in pregnancy guidebooks, we talked about everyone was telling you, telling me what I should or shouldn't do. Like, you know, don't put my cell phone too close to my belly too late. <laughs> like, um, I think, you know, both of my children probably came out knowing how to hold a smartphone. Oh, yes. But no one really talked about what was happening, you know, biologically, physically. And it's such a transformative process and a complex process. And I just wanted more information on that. I, I think also creating a space that's free from judgment, because you talk a lot, especially in the beginning of the book about, um, there's an anecdote about a friend who's pregnant who wanted to have a drink but wanted to do it in private because they didn't want to be judged. Yeah. And um, another moment of like uh, a man commenting on if you're carrying too many groceries, not offering to help, right. but just no, no, no. offering uh, like, should you be doing that? Yeah, you sure you should be carrying those? Yes. Like oh everyone has an opinion and it's yeah. it's really interesting how free people feel to share their judgment. I once had a woman, I was walking my newborn um, in the stroller in Los Angeles and had the stroller open so they could get some vitamin D, which was what the pediatrician had recommended. Mm -hmm. Like, give them five minutes of sun. A woman pulled over in her car and yelled at me and told me to get my baby covered. And it was the most, it was such an, I, I was, I've never been so steamed and furious in my life. 
but also just the audacity that, that anyone would do that. But it happens yeah. constantly. Yeah. I mean, I think what, part of this is rooted to, I mean, I, I often when that sort of unsolicited advice and opinions and projection of values <laughs> happens upon me, I just kind of want to scream, you know, yeah. like, let me live. <laughs> like, I know what like, I'm, I'm doing. Also, I am doing the best I can. Yeah. And that's another, you know, that's one of the premises of the book is that I just assume that we are all doing the best we can. Which is such a powerful assumption because culturally it often feels like um, women in general, but also especially mothers, are are not. There's this constant kind of um, level that we're measured against I, yeah. I think culturally. Uh, yeah, and it's really I, challenging. I mean, I've been having these conversations with people like, what is this rooted in? You know, this this projection of opinions, this, um, you know, directing pregnant women policing them. Yeah. And I, you know, when I'm feeling really generous, I think it's rooted in, you know, caring about people, seeing that these, you, you're doing something amazing. You're, you're guaranteeing the continuation of our species. And so <laughs> yes. I like to think, you know, because I try to assume good intent, I like to think that it comes from a place of wanting to protect. Um, but it just goes horribly awry. It does. You know, and it takes this turn into basically controlling women and not trusting women and not believing that you can look out for the health of your fetus and also look out for your health and well-being as those as though those two things aren't as though those things are mutually exclusive yeah. right like i mean i think that's another part of the book is that and i didn't realize that i said it early on in an in an interview and the way the person reacted i felt like oh god like this is this radical <laughs> like to say that as a mom you are never any less important than your fetus or your baby yeah. But I think people need to be told that. I mean, I needed to be told that. Well, one one point that you make throughout the book that I just want to – I'm going to flip to the page that's so interesting is we are really not taught as women and as pregnant women what childbirth does to our bodies. We yeah. only hear about it, I think, in terms of weight gain and weight loss. Mm -hmm. Like you're going to gain 40 pounds and then, oh, look at the celebrities who lost all their weight. But we're not taught about – um, the amazing things that happen to yeah. our bodies, like you talk about breast milk or just the, the amazing power of the placenta, but we're also not taught about how it can wreck us and how we mm -hmm. can um, physically rebound yes, from that. Yes, we, you know, as a species, we are necessarily meant to survive, right? So it is, yeah, I mean, I, you don't want to, I know the why, here's what, you know, I'm even hesitating right now. It's weird. You know, you don't want to talk about all of these things. So you don't want to scare people. Right. Right. Like it's childbirth is gruesome. It's also really beautiful. But if we talked about it more then we could also talk about and also better support people through the postpartum period and say like, yeah, so you're, you're, yeah, you're going to bleed for like a month and that's normal because you're, you just grew a person and there's some stuff in there that needs to come out, right? And, you know, like people tear and, you know, people have surgery and like that takes time to heal. But you can you can get back to – I would not back to yourself. Rather, I, I misspoke there. You can, um, you can come into a new place. And yeah. You can have a new appreciation for what your body is capable of. Um, yeah, you can recover. Yes. <laughs> and I think, can. you know, we don't talk about that because we, we don't set people up, you know. This is a thing that I – like to emphasize, you know, when you have a baby, the baby gets a one week and a two week and a one month and a two month and a six yes. month and a nine month and a one year wellness checkup and new parents, new mothers get a six week checkup. 
Yeah, this, that's it. This crushed me when I was reading this. You're, it you're says so right. everything about what our priorities are. Yeah, and at the six, often this focus of the six week checkup is just you can go have sex. Oh yeah, now. yeah, yeah. Everything looks fine. Yeah, yeah like, <laughs> like oh no, my body is ravaged. I mean, I know I had a my first child was a C section. You had a C section. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a spinal headache following my C section, which really kind of destroyed my my just made me feel ins- horrible physically. Yeah. And six weeks is not a lot of time to recover from something. Also, you're not no. sleeping. Also, you know, you go into it and you're well, – the focus really isn't on how are you overall as a, a person, right. right? The other thing is you're just in survival mode. I mean probably yeah. for a few weeks after <laughs> six weeks, but really like I don't e- – you don't even know what's going on with your no. body. You're just You're just trying to get through each day. So you're not going to be able to speak to the – intricate feelings that you have or like and also you get in there and you know you probably have 20 minutes of this person's attention so you just want to be like i'm fine no i'm fine i mean i like i mean i'm like i i feel like my my butt is hanging into my (laughs) vagina but i think i'm fine right like (laughs) we don't talk about this stuff like because if you were to say you know like i feel like there's something sagging inside of my vagina which is i mean prolapse is a thing that happens sometimes you're bladder or your anus can can sag in there and it's a really uncomfortable feeling and it's also embarrassing right and but it's very common and you can recover from that right, right that's the thing is it's really not you know you wouldn't hide the fact that if you ran a marathon that you maybe effed up your hamstring you know right. like why be embarrassed that's you really know? that's really you accomplished something also um we're also taught that everything is supposed to be painful and we just have to kind of live with the pain. Like I, I, I feel like for me with breastfeeding for the first t- couple of weeks, I felt like every time my child latched on, it felt like not like just gl- shards of glass yes, circling yes. on my nipples. And yeah. I was like, well, I guess this is just what it is. <laughs> it's and, beautiful. Right? <laughs> <laughs> this is the magic. And, and not um, – not advocating for us. You know, you talk about your hip pain. Yeah. And just, and I, I speak to tons of women who just had numerous physical ailments or pains after childbirth and not knowing, like, we, not, not feeling the power to ask for help. Yeah. I mean, there's, you can go, I mean, I'm a big advocate for everyone going for physical therapy. Yeah. After you give birth and, you know, even before, because that's someone looking at, and assessing your body and telling you where the strengths and weaknesses are and giving you, I think of it as a physical prescription, right, to work on stuff. Yeah. Um, but that's available to many people. Um, and oftentimes insurance will cover it or you just have a small copay. But the, the thing is you you don't – you have to know to ask. No one's going to offer that to yeah. you. And so that's why I think, you know, having these conversations with people is really gratifying and it, it makes me hopeful because – there are people out there. There are pelvic floor physical therapists who are just waiting to right. help you. Are really excited to help you. And you make you kind of make the point that healthcare providers don't really tell us about what happens to our bodies. So oftentimes we're in the dark until it's happening. Yeah, and I actually think the you know I I have a great relationship with my doctor. I see a family physician. Mm. He delivered both of my daughters. He treats my husband, and. Um, you know, I tried to talk to him about my pain and he wasn't – he really was not dismissive. I I felt like he just didn't know. Yeah. Because yeah. doctors aren't trained to prioritize our health. They're making sure that you're not – you know, nothing seems terribly amiss and that you can have sex, <laughs> right? Like as long as that's fine, right? Like they're just – the emphasis again is so clearly on the baby 
that really mothers I, – I mean, I think that it also – I mean, this book is mainly about pregnancy. And I included postpartum very specifically because no pregnancy book I read talked to me about that. No, Everything is on those 40 weeks yeah. and birth. That's like where all the glory is. Right. right? And then it, it ends the second and the child comes sort out. Of, yeah, it's just kind of over after that. But I – you know, we just – it's – I don't know. I lost track of what I was saying, but – you know, postpartum is a is to me a key component of pregnancy. You're not technically pregnant anymore, but it it's the effect. What um, since we do talk a lot about caring for ourselves on this podcast, uh, what do you think there are some things that women can do to empower their own self care after childbirth? I think whew, that's a great question. I mean, that's a very There's, heavy, <laughs> loaded question. Yeah, but. I mean, I think realizing that the number one thing is that you you need care. You know, and yes, for those first few weeks, you may not have a lot of time for it. Yeah. Right. But I think in terms of giving yourself time for recovery, and it's almost easier. I can't believe I'm saying this. I, I mean, I think it's almost easier if you have a C-section because you have had major abdominal surgery. So there is a limitation to what you can do and how much you can move. Right. Um, I was like totally unprepared for my first C-section. And so... I didn't really get it and I was trying to – I mean everything about caring for a newborn is at odds from recovering. Yeah. But, you know, but the second time around, I – my husband and I went into it like, OK, for the first two weeks, like I'm feeding the baby and I'm not moving. Yeah. I'm not doing anything else beyond that. So I think really just acknowledging that you need time to recover, that you have gone through an incredible physical devastating thing and creating time for that. And then I think if if you can just hold that space – then, you know, it's like light starts to come in and then you might be like, I'm going to take a, a hot shower for 15 minutes today, right? And I think just it begins with that, um, I, just knowing that you deserve that. And the, the challenge is that we are, I mean, we're uh, American. Mm -hmm. So this obviously isn't applicable to everybody listening because we have international listeners as well. But um, we exist in a space where a lot of women have to go back to work. There's no paid leave for them. Yeah, They're I back mean, at work in two weeks. Yeah. 25% of women in America go back to work uh, two weeks after they give birth. Which is un unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, without paid family leave, this is all much harder than it should be. Yeah. You know, and other yeah. countries have this figured out. Other countries, you know, prioritize that. So we're, you know, we're shamefully behind. Yeah. That's, that should definitely, thank you for pointing that out. I mean, it just is, you know, I remember... I, I was working for a corporation that had, you know, six weeks leave. It had a, a, a decent thing, but I, I ended up having an emergency C-section. And one of the first thoughts I had when I when they told me I was getting one was, oh, I'll have two more weeks of paid leave. Because if you had a C-section, you got more time off than mm -hmm. if you had a vaginal birth. Yeah. And I just remember this relief of like, cool, I get two more weeks with my baby because I'm having surgery. <laughs> and that seems like the wrong reaction to have. It seems like the last thing you should be thinking about, yeah, right? Yeah, but, but it was in the back of my mind. Yeah, but there's, you know, this is like the structure, the institutions of our society. I mean, when we, my husband and I are both independent contractors, so Oof. we pay a lot of money every month for not really great insurance. Yeah. But we're lucky to even be able to do that. But so when I, um, you know, we were ambivalent for a long time about whether or not we were going to have a second child. And then I got pregnant and then I had experienced another pregnancy loss. Yeah. Um, and so then, and then also I was like staring down the barrel of 40. So I was kind of like, we got to, you know, we got to get this show on the road or we, you know, we got pregnant when we got pregnant. We didn't do a ton of planning. We just kind of were like, this is the time and we're going to see what happens. And so I got pregnant and 
one of the first things I thought was, oh, God, this baby's going to be born in 2018, not instead of 2017. And, you know, we were actually probably going to meet our family deductible for 2017. And it's so... I mean, I feel terrible saying that, but that's, you know, like I relate to what you said. It's the same thing. Like we're not allowed to focus on just the what's happening yeah, or or be excited or focus on what we need. We're thinking about because our, you know, the way our American society is set up is it does not support women. You know, actually, we hate women. (laughs) That's (laughs) That's a good way of putting it. I mean, that's what it feels like. I, I believe that that's true. And I... I don't want to see him, you know, I always want to be hopeful, yeah. but I think that's a reality that we can't afford to overlook. Well, one of the one of the craziest statistics is that we have the highest rate of maternal deaths of all developed nations in the world, and yeah. then that increases for women of color. Yes. Which is a crisis. Yeah. No, I mean, I think we talk about the opioid epidemic in this country, like we have an epidemic of black women dying. Yeah. And we have a epidemic of women of color having far less access to prenatal care and having much poorer obstetrical outcomes. And so that's something that we need to talk about. It's again shameful. Yeah. Hmm. One of the interesting points you make in the book is that um when women were asked about their experience giving birth, hold on, I have to just find the page. Um, this was really, really interesting to me. Um, it was a person doing research on childbirth and they realized that it was not the physical act of birth, I'm quoting, itself that held the most potent memories for women, but the way they were cared for before, during, and after birth. And that, I mean, I have chills now just saying that because so often we share these birth stories mm-hmm. um, and we can have a really challenging, harrowing birth, but if we were cared for lovingly and felt seen and heard and supported, we frame it in a positive way. And I thought that was so interesting is that it's the care we receive that shapes the experience. Yeah, it's so basic and we've moved so far away from it. And so, and that ties in nicely with, you know, the idea of self-care, right? Yeah. But you also, you need other people to care for you and that's how you show, I mean, it's really how you show someone that you love them. Yeah. (laughs) It's how we express that. And I think as a society, it feels like we're moving away, you know, like you can have dinner delivered, you can have someone pick you up, (laughs) you can send your laundry away, like these basic things that we do for ourselves and for each other um, are slipping away, you know, I think in a larger sense, but definitely in terms of caring for mothers and um, pregnant women. And it feels like it, it doesn't cost that much, it doesn't cost anything, you know, it's a very simple act to listen to when someone is saying this doesn't feel right, um, to make sure that someone is an active decision maker and participant in their own care makes all the difference. I mean, when you talk about the birth plan, which is a big part, I think, for people giving birth, and it does kind of provide a false sense of control because you ultimately have no control over how your child's going to come out of your body. Yeah. Uh, And it can be very, (laughs) like, you have to let that I mean, you, you talk about your own experience with that. Yes, I had a very well edited to one page yeah. times New Roman 12, <laughs> like, like bullet pointed. It began by thanking the people who were caring for yeah. me because I thought that that might buy me some goodwill in terms of I don't I don't know what. Right. But I put a lot of effort into it. I mean, I'm a writer, so I think like some like words matter in the way I presented things. But I mean, basically, 
I watched over the course of like 72 hours, like my birth plan go up in flames. Totally. (laughs) And (laughs) really it's the, it's kind of, I mean, I think a birth plan can be useful. I think it helps you clarify things, but you need to really be able to let go. This is, um, it's, you know, it's sort of the great mystery of life. It's totally uncontrollable thing. You have to really be open to what happens. I wanted to touch upon, um, you can see I starred this numerous times. I'm just showing Angela what I wrote in her book, um, which is a, a thing I think a lot of pe- women, there's a situation, a feeling for me at least, where you kind of can't win. And that is um, when you talk about the mixed messages about the right and wrong way to be and become a mother, whereas on one side, um, unmedicated birth is portrayed as like natural and women are like, you know, naked in a field with like a flowing gown. And then... Um, giving birth, you know, a more like a medical birth in a hospital is wrong. But then women who do, let's say, have a home birth are portrayed as uh, danger. I mean, there's there's constant conflicting messages um, where it starts to feel like no matter what decision you make as a mother, uh, it's wrong. And I think this is a a way we're also made to feel about breastfeeding, formula feeding, how Mm -hmm. like you kind of can't win. No, you, you can't. <laughs> and that's why – and it's so hard. It's so deeply ingrained in us. Yeah. And that's really how we frame every conversation. And so what I wanted in this book, you know, it the book turned into something much more personal than I expected it to. I mean, I did not pitch it. I, I mean, I just never assumed that anyone would be that interested in my own story, right? Like I was – you know, I wanted to explore this stuff scientifically, um, more journalistically. And as I was writing it, I realized though it felt – if, if this stuff is so personal. Yeah. And the only reason – I mean this is not a complete guide to pregnancy of, in any way. Of course. It was very much guided by my own experiences and my own interests. And I just realized it felt – it almost felt disingenuous not to share what my experience had been. You know, like I had a cesarean section after really wanting a vaginal birth. So I'm one of those people where I – you know, we give birth two ways now. I'm grateful for what I had. I sort of feel sad that I didn't have this. But – one is not better than the other and one is not right and one is not wrong. And that's really – I wanted to try – like why why aren't all pregnancy books written this way? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like that was really um, – I don't I, – yeah, I, I, I just feel like if we gave people information in a more straightforward way, in a way that allowed them to feel confident, trusting that they could make the best decision for themselves, which is not going to be – the best decision for somebody else, we'd care a lot less about what other people were doing. Yeah, we would. You know, we would just be we'd we'd be cool. <laughs> One thing that um, I also really 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 resonated with me is you talk very uh, you 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 kind of get into journalistically the um, the amazing ability of the placenta mm. and also what breast milk can do. Yeah. Uh, and I, I believe it was about the placenta, although tell me if I'm wrong, that it basically hasn't been researched or maybe it's about breast milk. There's one point you make in the book where like, this is not, nobody's researched this. So we don't really know the power of this organ. Um, yeah. I mean, that's actually, it's true for both. Yeah. And that was something, you know, the, the fact that the book became the subtitle is a feminist journey through the science and culture of pregnancy. That again was not how I pitched the book. It was something that when I started re- when I started researching female reproductive health, I found experts, scientists, healthcare providers, and all of them said some version of the same thing, whether or not whether it was about the placenta or breast milk or microchimerism, which is when 
maternal and fetal cells exchange oh, and go and live in each other's bodies, yeah. which is, whoa. But, um, but everyone was like, yeah, so I thought that this would be interesting to study. And so I went to the literature and there wasn't anything. And some of them were even actively discouraged by colleagues or mentors not to study this stuff. And, and so feminists came into play because, you know, the basic definition being we're equal. Right. And we are equally deserving of care and respect. And we're just, we're so far from there. We have never valued female reproductive health enough financially, culturally, scientifically to study it. Yeah. And they all, all my experts also said, you know, compared to what we should know, we know nothing. Oh boy. That's rage inducing. Yeah. Uh, I feel sort of like, you know, in, on a show about self-care, I, I, I feel like I, I don't really like to sit around talking about all the terrible things. <laughs> well, but, but what is cool to me is that our bodies are capable. I mean, that, that's kind of the underlying yeah. uh, current, I feel like, of, of the book is like our bodies are doing some cool ass stuff yeah. and, celebra- and celebrating that and educating ourselves. I didn't really know that I was going to have to birth a placenta. Mm-hmm. And maybe somebody listening doesn't know that if you have a vaginal birth, you're going to put after your baby comes out most of the time, I think you're going to mm-hmm. push the placenta out. Oh, yeah. You're not done. No. And then you're if you have a C-section, <laughs> they take it out as yeah. uh, after they take your baby out. And it's this huge, heavy thing. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of people aren't given a chance to see it. Yeah. Um, or really learn much about it. Or when and... it's referred to just as medical waste. Yeah. And you're like, oh, this thing just like fed my child for nine yeah, months. Before my months. child had a heart, lungs or kidney or liver, this organ that the single use organ that I grew from scratch along with it served as all of those things. Yeah. I mean, that is fucking cool. Like we're, we're cool. Yeah. I mean, that's really, you know, like, you know, alternate title of the book is, you know, female bodies, (laughs) you know, like they're fucking incredible. Yeah. And that's really, you know, like it's, it, that's at the root of the book as well. Like an appreciation for our bodies. Um, because we're really taught not to like them. We're taught to criticize them. We're not taught to celebrate them. We're taught to feel really weird about them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think it's, I always love it when I meet people who, and I, and I, I'm always sort of jealous and I don't understand it when someone just seems really confident in their body. Yeah. And it makes me so happy for them, but also I'm like, what, how did, how did they get that? You know? <laughs> well, that's one thing that, that I, I really connected with was thinking about the change I don't think we are given a space to talk about the changes our body go, bodies go through after childbirth beyond just gaining weight. Mm-hmm. Whereas our bodies have shifted physically, we've had surgery, like you said, yeah. prolapse. I mean, and that was really empowering to me that that we can have a dialogue about all the other changes we go through physically beyond just oh, I put on forty pounds or sixty pounds or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it's not a focus culturally that women go through all sorts of other changes. Yeah. Uh, and I learning mean, to, and learning to like love those and come out on the other side. Yeah. I mean, I feel, I feel very close to Beyonce this week. Oh <laughs> God. Beyonce nailed Beyonce it. Beyonce talked. I mean, I love that she's talking about her little fupa yes. in Vogue and she's like me and my little fupa are meant to be. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, that is, and I love putting it that way because there's no fighting that. I mean, that's a natural byproduct of but the the transformation that your body goes through having being pregnant and giving birth and it's about finding a, you will come back to yourself but you, you 
you might not be where you were yeah. before. You're standing in a new place. And instead of fearing that, we maybe we could appreciate that. You know, we have been delving more and more into the topic of our skin as we get older and how we treat it and how we love it. Because look, as I'm learning in my mid-40s, as you get older, you deal with new things when it comes to your skin. Not that they're bad. They're just new. You know what I mean? Like I am now just discovering creppiness, Dory. Mm, okay. Which is okay. I know. visible on my <sighs> neck and chest. Luckily, it's a thing. It's a thing. Luckily, One Skin, our sponsor today, knows all about things like creppiness. And I'm not overly concerned with aesthetics, but like I do just want to keep my skin healthy as I age. Totally. I love their topical supplements. They really help your skin feel, I don't want to say younger, but just vibrant, mm. refreshed. They combine tissue engineering, data analysis, and cutting edge longevity science to literally create the world's most effective product to help with skin aging. I am particularly fond of their face topical supplement. It's essentially a moisturizer, but it has their mm -hmm. proprietary OSO1 peptide to really help with all the parts of our skin that are exposed to environmental damage. You can use it on your face, your hands, your neck. I know here mm -hmm. where we live in Los Angeles, our hands, we're driving. That sun is coming at us at all times. One Skin believes the Amen. purpose of skincare is not just to improve how we look, but to optimize our skin biology so that it is more resilient to the aging process. They really create next level skincare. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company. By focusing on the cellular aspects of aging, One Skin keeps your skin looking and more importantly, acting younger for longer. Get started today with 15% off using code OVER50 at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with code OVER50. After you purchase, they'll ask you where you heard about them and please support our show and tell them we sent you. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Beyonce also talked about pregnancy loss, mm -hmm. uh, I believe. You talked about pregnancy loss in your book and uh, it's still such – I think in the past few years, we've become more open and discussing it. But I'm, I'm curious if you could kind of – and maybe from a self-care perspective, talk about um, what what helped – how did you care for yourself going through – I mean, I, don't, mis I think you actually talk about changing the, the word yeah, for I'm miscarriage. Trying, yeah. I'm actually trying really hard to only say pregnancy loss. Yeah. I'm not really – not 100% on that yet. But what I, we, I'm practicing, you know, my they, them pronoun. I'm, there's all these things that I'm trying to work on that cost me nothing. <laughs> They're just like things that are ingrained your, in me. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, just to speak to that, I mean, miscarriage 
it has the same prefix as mistake, misspell. <laughs> and these are really implies something that you did, right, to create mm. a bad situation. Yeah. And the reality is that when you lose a pregnancy, the overwhelming majority of them are caused by chromosomal abnormalities that you have no control over. Um, and so the woman that I spoke to, my pregnancy loss expert, who's one of the only people who has done extensive research on how to care for women who have experienced this, she said something that just rocked my world that seemed very revolutionary to me, where she said, you know, the body is wise mm -hmm. and it recognizes a pregnancy that cannot be carried to term. And I thought, God, like, could that help? That would have helped me. It did help me even, you know, more than a year later framing this where I – it's you. I mean, it's different for everybody, but a, most people experience some level of grief. And sometimes that grief is confusing because you don't – it wasn't a baby. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah, yeah. it's a sort of in-between thing and no one else is talking about it and no one knows how to really speak about it. But the idea, like, could you be helped through grief by realizing that as, as sad as this, as this is, that's always true, that also you can appreciate your body for taking care of, of this situation, you know, that, that was untenable. Um, that I think from a self-care perspective is to, to appreciate to figure out how to appreciate your body, even in one of the hardest of times, yeah, could really be a game changer. That's really powerful. And also when your body is not doing what you want it to do. Right. I mean, it very rarely does. No, so. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. But that, that is, uh, you know, it's such an interesting, the, the, the way that we are conditioned to not speak about being pregnant until we're out of the first trimester. So women kind right. of suffer quietly through a lot of symptoms. And then if you miscarry, oftentimes, um, or lose the pregnancy is, I'm going to also try to change how I'm saying it, but, um, you then go through that silently. No, yeah. maybe you don't tell anyone, maybe no one knew you were pregnant to begin with. And in, even when it's, you know, or oftentimes there's this idea of like, well, you were only, you were eight weeks along, like okay. you weren't, like you know, and worst thing to say. Yeah. I mean, there's just, uh, I think the depth of the grief that can, um, come along with losing a pregnancy hasn't fully been acknowledged. Yeah. And yeah. I think it's time that that is really. Yeah. I mean, let's God, think about it. It's this quote unquote rule that we all are familiar with, which is you don't tell anyone that you're pregnant until after your first trimester. Why? Because you might lose the pregnancy. Because it's fairly common. Right. <laughs> 20 to 25 pregnant, 20 yeah. to 25 percent of all known pregnancies end in loss. And so it's one, it creates this rule around something that's actually really common, saying that we can't talk about this thing that's happening to many people that you know. And then you're – because you haven't told anyone, you're totally alone because then you have to be like, oh, so I was pregnant and now I'm not. And that's that's a lot to lay on someone. Yeah. Right? And, you know, your good friends will be there for you through that. But it's a it's a, it's a doozy of a conversation to it start. Is. And who put that rule into place? Like, yeah, why who, did we decide? Who is that guy? Yeah. I'm pretty sure it's a guy. <laughs> Definitely. I mean, it's a strange thing. I don't know if we're trying to protect people from sadness. I'm not quite sure what it is. But... I mean, I think it's probably rooted in the fact that as a culture, we're just bad at talking about difficult things yeah. and loss. And grief and vaginas. And vaginas. <laughs> and sometimes vaginas and grief go hand in hand. Yes. Um, you are a mother. You have two kids. You are uh, working. 
um, right now you're traveling away from your family. I'm yeah. curious about what kind of self-care stuff you implement, whether it's around motherhood or just for your not at all having to do with your children. What are some of your self-care rituals? Yeah. Um, I have, I mean, my baby is five months old, so I haven't really had a lot of time. Yeah. Um, I mean, the best thing I did for myself was to remain as immobile as possible for the first two weeks after giving birth. Um, but you know, through my, after my, the main thing that I do for myself is I move and I, I love to dance. I love you talk about this in the book. Yeah. And that was a big part of my spiritual, I'd say Mm. recovery, even, even more than physical. Um, but I, I had this chronic hip pain that I thought I had solved by going to this class called Dance Church, um, which is, you know, it's basically like guided improv mostly to like Beyonce and dance music and Rihanna and Missy and that kind of thing. And yeah, you just get sweaty. And when I first started going, I I just felt really – I wrote about this. I remember that like – the instructor was like, grind your crotch down into the floor. <laughs> and someone next to me was like, <laughs> and I was like, this is literally the easiest thing that has been asked of my crotchal area in <laughs> years. So I just was like, let me just hump this floor. And that felt so great. And I think, you know, my, I was trying to make sense of my body and I, it helped me. I am a much more embodied person dancing regularly and feeling really free and letting go. Um, so that's been a huge part of it. And in my second pregnancy, I was dancing at 39 weeks. Wow. And I never would have done that my first time around. But, and you know, I was modifying the hell out of the moves. Sure, and, you know, sure. there's a whole section on the floor where we're doing ab work. And I was like, I'm not, I can tell, I can feel my abs separating right now. So I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but anything that I could do that made me feel like myself was really important. Um, and so I was able to start dancing again, I think like six or seven weeks after I gave birth and taking it easy. But movement is a really, that's my number one thing. And I don't call it exercise because yeah. I hate that term, you know, like to me, it's really, it's movement and that makes me feel free and powerful. Um, and then when, you know, if I have time, I like to go to, um, I love a Korean spa. Oh. And I have mm-hmm. I have not been scrubbed in far too long, so I'm ready to shed a layer of my skin. I mean, but there's yeah, I can give you a spot in LA if you have. Oh a couple. really? I'm, oh, I'm in yes. Koreatown. So. I know I have it. Well, we're going to talk after okay, this great. podcast. I got some <laughs> spots for you. But something like that. I mean, and there's also when I can't. I mean, it's sort of a longer venture for me to get to the Korean spa in the Seattle area. But um, there's a little spa in close to my neighborhood that's women only. It's called The Hot House and Ooh. it's underneath one of the only lesbian bars in Seattle. Oh, that sounds amazing. Um, yeah, which – although I'm sad that there's only really one lesbian bar in Seattle. Yeah, there but, should yeah, be more. So it's underneath the Wild Rose, yes. And you go underneath there and it's been – I've been going there for almost 20 years. Oh my gosh. And it's just got one whirlpool, one steam sauna, one dry sauna and just an area where you can lay down. Um, and usually it's me like – starfished out, totally nude, like just going comatose and probably snoring for like 10 or 15 minutes. It's always part of what happens when I go there. I just knock out. Me too. Um, But I find that, you know, my brain is always thinking about my kids or my own stuff and I I have a hard time quieting it. Yeah. So physical movement always helps me and then getting into like a it's basically a sensory deprivation tank. <laughs> I find that maybe it's sort of two poles, but those are probably my my two self care things. Um, I also I'm wearing my pair of uh, 
I recently bought white Crocs. I love them. <laughs> Hold on. I'm just going to bend down and look at them. You know, I, I mean, I, they're ugly. Let's be honest. They're not. <laughs> they're cool. I also think you are the second guest to come on this podcast in white Crocs. Oh, really? I'm pretty sure Mary H.K. Choi also wore oh. white Crocs. Oh, that's really exciting. Which I, I think of her as very stylish she person. Is. Yes. yes. That might be the official shoe of this podcast. Yeah. I mean, I really, like, I was a Croc hater for a long time and then... I don't know. I mean, I guess the secret's out. I've given up in some ways. <laughs> but Or is giving up actually just embracing another side of things? It's embracing another side yeah. of it, for sure. I mean, I think that there's – I mean, I'm 40 now too. So there's a, there's a very – I'm into resource – my own resource and energy management. And there's a very – and I was thinking about this a lot when I had a newborn and a toddler. There's only a certain amount of energy and a certain amount of fucks that I have in one day. And when it's gone, it's gone. And I don't always know when that's going to happen. <laughs> and so, Could be at 10 so, a.m. Yeah. But so in, in terms of the Crocs, I was – I mean, I literally texted a friend who's more stylish than me and was like, thinking about Crocs, talk me out of it. And he was like, not going to do it. Wow. And he like made the case. And I got them and I decided to get white because I was like, go big or go home. And now I, f I literally feel like I'm walking around on clouds. They're super stylish. I actually think they're stylish. Maybe that's also a sign of where I am in my life. But Well, join you should join me because my style motto for postpartum 2018 and probably beyond is casually bedridden. <laughs> like it's a choice. It is. I am in like basically a nightgown today and it feels – it comes with a belt and I never wear it, this dress I'm in. Because who the fuck needs well, that? Well, when you came around the corner in it, I was like, well, here she is floating to me. Oh, thank you. Like a vision. And I felt very jealous. I tell you what, so. I am so comfortable in this thing, <laughs> this beautiful sack that I'm wearing. Well, um, Angela, this has been such a joy to get to talk to you. Um, can you tell our listeners where they can find you just in the, the digital space? Oh, sure. Um, well, I'm on Instagram, which is where I have the most fun social media wise. Great. It's just my name, Angela Garbez. Um, I am on Twitter, A Garbez, but. I feel like that's sort of my – I have a journalistic responsibility to be on Twitter. Yes, but we're all kind of leaving I think is yeah. what's happening. Um, yeah, and then I have a website um, and I do a monthly-ish newsletter. Ah, can we get that on your website? Uh, yes, you can. Yeah, it's a tiny letter called Don't Need a Reason. Oh, alter perfect. Ego. <laughs> and the book is Like a Mother – and you can get that uh, at any independent bookseller, any big box bookseller. Uh, yes. It's everywhere. Yes. Retailers, your choice of retailers, wherever. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you so much, Angela. Thank you so much for having me on. This has been great. Kate, let's talk about intentions. I would love that. But can I just add something that I've been thinking about? Yes. About underwear? Yes. Because I don't think, uh, I want to make sure that, I'm not don't I'm not dismissing the idea of underwear being empowering for people. Mm -hmm. Especially because I feel like sexy underwear or different styles of underwear hasn't always been um made or available for women of all different sizes. Mm -hmm. Right? Like oftentimes it was just an option if you were like a size eight or less. Right, right, right. And so I feel like underwear can and should be embraced as a form of self expression. I love that. And also should make us feel comfortable and confident in whatever we're wearing and when we go out into the world. Yes. Am I making sense? You are. I just don't want to be like dismissive of anyone who who does want to fucking thong it up. Yeah. Thong, thong it up. Thong it up. Just, I'm not. I'm wearing my giant Costco underwear. Anyway, Dory. That, yes. That my intention is not that. Um, my intention last week was to get my sleep and anxiety under control. How'd that go? 
Well, I did install an alarm, a home alarm system, mm-hmm. which you may now see all over mm-hmm. my home. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of helped me feel safe while my husband is out of town. I just always feel extra nervous when I'm the only adult in my home. Uh, that's how I've always felt my whole life. So that that did feel good. Good. Yeah. Then once I got that in, I, and once I get my ring doorbell installed, mm. not an ad, just a thing I bought, mm-hmm. um, I think that will be kind of nice. We well, have a ring doorbell. Yeah. Now, are these things are effective deterrents? I don't know, but they are effective in calming my anxiety. They bring you peace of mind. Thank you. Yeah, so that's, that's what great. I did. Um, how was it trying not to overplan with your parents? That was your intention last week. Yeah. So, you know, I did plan a bunch of stuff. And then as discussed, I got very exhausted yesterday yeah. <laughs> with all of the activities. Um and we don't have anything like formal, another formal thing planned until tomorrow night. And my mom was like, am I going to see you before then? Um, and so I'm like, maybe I should just, they came over for dinner on Friday night. Like we just got takeout. Um, and that was actually really nice because it was like lower stakes than like a restaurant yeah. and we could just kind of relax and the weather was really nice. So I might do that again tonight okay just be spontaneous play it by ear yeah i got my dad um on the guest list at our gym my gym so he's very excited about that because your dad's a workout a workout guy my dad is jacked your dad is my inspiration he's 73 and he's ripped yes that's amazing it's weird (laughs) um what is your intention this week well i i wrote down to keep working on my social anxiety. Great. But I thought of another one today. Okay. Which is I need to foam roll. Mm. I always like tell every time I'm in physical therapy, they're like foam roll. And I'm like, you got it. I will. And then I never do. I have the same experience. I even own a foam roller. Same. I own a foam roller. I've bought them and thrown them out and bought them again. And, but my, I do have like sore muscles and spots where I really think it would help. I just have to make the commitment. And I know it is as easy as like putting a yoga mat down and watching a TV show and rolling around, but I never do it. I want to sit on the couch. Yeah. I hear you. You Actually, I will say joining a gym has helped me in this regard because they have like an area where people foam roll and I'm like, all right, I'll just foam roll a little bit. And like, it feels, it does feel, it feels good. good. I know. And I'm, you know, I'm not getting any younger. My body needs to be stretched and does rolled, caressed by the Amazon foam roller I bought six months ago and have never used. So that is, I think something I'm going to try to do like just once I just need to start. I need to just form the habit, you know, and you just have to like literally roll it out. Totally. How about you? Well, this intention is sort of related to last week's intention. Okay. Um, I'm going away. Yes. And um, I'm going to New York and I have reached out to friends there to see them. And, um, my, I, I'm like cramming all this. I'm not going to be there for that long. I'm cramming a bunch of things in. Um, it'll be fine. I don't, I feel like I, I'm sort of now at the point where I'm like, am I forgetting anyone? Um, and then you feel guilty <laughs> if you, you feel do. Guilty. Yeah. Um, and, but it's the, actually it's like sort of worked out because a lot of my friends are going to be out of town. Um, everyone's like, Oh, that's the one week I'll be away. Um, which is like sad, but also means I don't have to like cram that many people. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to just try and like enjoy the time I have with my friends who I don't get to see very much and just like 
see it as like a great relaxing positive thing friends this is the time where we say goodbye yes we have a voicemail if you ever want to call us it's 781-591-0390 and our email is forever35podcast at gmail.com you can join our facebook group www.facebook.com slash groups slash forever 35 podcast um also if you really like the show please leave us a rating and or review on apple podcasts um also tell a friend uh, talk about us on social media we, we we won't be mad about it and a reminder that everything we talk about is always on our website forever35podcast.com and you can follow us on instagram at forever 35 podcast and on twitter at forever 35 pod and we will talk to you next week